You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast for everything Pitt. I'm Nick Farabaugh. I write for Pittsburgh Sports Now about Pitt. Work at the WPTS radio station and MA production assistant at ACC Network. Got a very good guest today in Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. We will talk about all the Panthers prospects and Jordan Addison in addition to that. Where will they go in the draft and what's their stock looking like? And obviously the main topic will be Kenny Pickett and how high he can go. All that coming up on Locked on Pitt. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. We're going to get here with Ian in a second, but before that, make sure to check out the Locked On ACC Podcast, hosted by Candice Cooper, talking everything about ACC. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow Locked On ACC, leave a good review, check it out. It's a great podcast. Alright Ian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm kind of, you know, on one hand, we had a lot of technical difficulties before this one. We were trying to, we were trying every conceivable platform uh, under the sun to try and, uh, you know, hear each other. and We couldn't do it. You know, it did give me some extra time to kind of soak in these Pittsburgh prospects for sure. I mean, I mean, I would have rather done it yesterday because I've been itching to talk about Kenny Pickett and all these other guys. But, you know, it's it's always fun to be on. And I'm always glad to talk with you, man, because it's been a while since the uh, draft meetings, the OG draft meetings back in the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, the good old draft meetings over Pro Football Network and man, yes, I've been I've been uh I've been hyping up this thing all week. I'm gonna have Ian Cummings on into the show every day. Finally, we're gonna have you on talking about these NFL draft prospects and man, you talked about the guy himself, mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett. Obviously, Pitt has a few on their team, but Kenny Pickett is the main one that everyone's watching, including Pitt fans. He's been just so much improved this year, even when he was good last year. He's a much improved deep ball thrower. I mean, what has Kenny Pickett done, you know, with his performances against Tennessee and and Western Michigan mainly, but especially Tennessee, what have you seen from him just so far in the short year, I guess, that is different from, say, 2020 Kenny Pickett or 2019 Kenny Pickett? You know, I'm not really sure it's anything operationally, like not much. Like there's always been a little bit of volatility in his game. That's just kind of how he is. You know, he's, he's tough. He's a gunslinger. He's going to take those risks sometimes and trust his arm a little bit too much when windows are closing. And we saw that once against Western Michigan where he had the interception. You know, of course, that was a little bit inaccurate of a throw. But, you know, he's going to test those windows. He's going to test his arm. And sometimes he takes, takes risks that he shouldn't. But I've always been, you know, impressed with his game more often than not. You know, even last year, where the, while there was some volatility, I feel like a lot of the inconsistencies, you know, you can point to schemes sometimes not always helping him out. You can point to his injuries. I mean, he's been dealing with a ton of injuries over the course of his career, dating back to the last season, had that high ankle sprain. And I think he had to wear. He came back after like 26 days, was supposed to come back after six weeks. So that just kind of that's that kind of is reminiscent of who he is as a competitor. And I think he had to wear like a shoe size that was two sizes bigger than usual because it was so swollen still. So he fights, man, and he fights through a lot of pain and adversity. So I respect him for that. But at the same time, too, you're going to get volatility from that. But this year he's been healthy. Uh, The offensive cast has largely been stable. He's got a lot of good weapons. Tazier Mack, Jordan Addison, uh, Krull, Lucas Krull at tight end, who we can talk about more. I really like him as a prospect, too. But Pickett, to me, has always been that tough guy. I think when he's in structure, he actually processes pretty well. I really like his off-structure work, though. To me, his outer structure, his off-script ability is really high, high level. You know, And I think he has underrated starting upside, potentially. I said that last year. And I what, what happened last year is I, I cut up some clips, and then he ended up not declaring. He ended up taking an extra year, which I think was a good move for him, especially now. I mean, he's already matching his personal records almost through three games, so that's a good sign. But you know, through the summer scouting process, I was able to watch through him again. And I, I wanted to watch through just to make sure that I miss anything before. You know, was I a little too high on him last time? And I don't think I was, man. I mean, I think he's a sleeper. I think he could be an early round guy for sure if he keeps up this pace. I mean, he's a little older. He's going to be 24 as a rookie because he's been in college for such a long time. But he's a good athlete with a really elastic arm. 
He can he can generate velocity with ease. He can push that velocity down the field. He can hit tight windows. He can adjust his arm angles off script. I really love his ability, man. And and he's also really natural too. Like in the pocket, when pressure is coming, he's really instinctive, knowing how to evade, knowing which lanes to take, how to extend plays, and ultimately keeping his eyes downfield and making those throws. I mean, there's a lot to like with him. And for me, guys that have that off script ability really jump off the tape. And to me, that's exactly who Pickett is. But at the same time this year too, when he can stay in structure, he's been doing that. He's been dicing up defenses, hitting hitting those uh hitting those open zones downfield. So I really like what I've seen from him, man. I think mentally he's as sharp as, he, as he's ever been. And then physically he's as healthy as he's ever been. Uh, that injury scare last weekend, my, my heart jumped, man. But it seems like he's good to go now. And that he's a physically talented guy with a lot of toughness and a lot of drive. So I'm a huge fan of Pickett. I think he has starting upside. Yeah, and, and that's been the thing with him has always been the injuries. So when he came down with that shoulder injury, yeah. it was not fun. Luckily, it looks yeah. good for Kenny um, in that regard. But I think the biggest thing when I've watched him this year has been the deep ball. I mean, yeah. so much. He, he doesn't see – it's not like he was gun-shy before, but he seems so much more confident. It's You can argue just looking at the stats, and I looked at it earlier this week when I was talking about Pitt's explosive passing game, that Kenny Pickett has maybe been the best deep ball thrower in the NCAA this year. He's been that accurate. He's been that explosive. And Pitt's offense, I don't know how well you know Pitt's running back and O-line situation. They can't run the football. And Kenny Pickett is just slinging the thing out there, and they've scored 40-plus points in three straight weeks because Kenny Pickett can't be stopped. I mean, that's why. He willed them almost to a win against Western Michigan, and then he definitely willed them against Tennessee. So he's been phenomenal. And I think, I guess the question now I have for you, because I agree with almost everything you said, I do think he tries to escape out the back door a little bit and mm-hmm. run into some pressure. He ran into a sack last week against Western Michigan. I'd like to see him not do that because he gets hit a lot in space, but he can also run. But I guess the question is, at this point, he's a fifth-year senior. His age could be a topic of conversation if he continues this up. How high... If he continues to play well, he continues to show out against teams like Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, these teams that are on the schedule for Pitt later, if he keeps showing out, how high can we expect Kenny Pickett to go? That's a really interesting question, man. And it's a fun question, too, because with this quarterback class, especially this one, I think you always want to keep things fluid. Like, that was a big sticking point for me this offseason, is last year with Trevor Lawrence, and I think rightfully so, a lot of people penciled him in as QB1, but looking back, you can make a case maybe for Justin Fields challenging him there. So, you know, I never want to entrench a guy or guys into an early slot when maybe they're not doing enough to keep that. And, you know, conversely, if there's a guy who's kind of slept on like Pickett, who has the traits to move up and he is playing as well as he is right now, then you can't be averse to him moving up. So you know, I've been trying to stay fluid in that sense this year. And I mean, asking that question, just thinking about the traits. I mean, he's got that off script ability. He's a great athlete. He's got a great arm. And I think his mentality, his toughness, his pure toughness is something that's going to resonate with a lot of NFL scouts and coaches watching him kind of push through adversity. I mean, how many injuries has he played through at this point? I mean, he's a tough dude. He's a he's an all-out competitor. I love that about him. You're looking at him run, like, on one hand, you want to see him preserve himself a little bit more because he's had so many scares. Like, hey, just take the slide, man. Don't lower your shoulder. But he can do that. I mean, there's one play against Western Michigan where he was rolling out, pressure was getting to him, and he manages to evade, turns up field, and he's got to get the first down. It's a third down, I think. And he lowers his shoulder. There's two defenders going to sandwich him, and he goes through him and gets the first. I'm like, Man, like I, I, you got to keep your shoulders safe, man. But at the same time, he he puts it all on the line. So that combined with his high level traits, I, I don't think he's like an elite athlete or anything. But you know, he's a good athlete. He far below, far above the threshold that you want as a starter in the NFL. And then his arm is really good too. I mean, you talk about the deep passes. I think one reason he's better there is because he's a little more poised in the pocket. Like he's always been instinctive at maneuvering in the pocket. But last year, one of the biggest issues for me was that he would fade back a lot, you know, and he can make those off script throws, those off platform throws. But you can't drive as much. You can't put as much drive on the ball. You can't drive it downfield as much. You can put you can't put as much velocity on it. So now that he's staying in structure and staying a little bit more poised and mechanically congruent, I think we're seeing that accuracy start to follow through as well. So seeing that is very good. And then on top of that, the physical traits, if you're asking me how high he can go in his maximum projection, man, 
I'm not going to mince words. He can be a first-round pick. He really can. The question is, because I don't think age is as much of a sticking point with quarterbacks. You look at them, their shelf life, usually mid to late 30s, right? So, you know, if, if he's good enough to go up that high, if he's 24 years old as a rookie, you still get at least 10 years out of him, uh, provided if he can stay healthy. I mean, going to a good offensive line is going to be big for him, especially with the injury history. But, I mean, you talk about traits. You talk about that mental toughness that he has. I mean, I think he's the toughest quarterback in the draft. I don't think there's a quarterback tougher than Kenny Pickett, honestly. And, you know, combine that with the high-level skills, I do think he can be a first-round pick. The question is, can he keep this going through the year? I really want him to. I really want to see him do that because you look at the rest of the quarterback class. I look at Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Those are personally my favorites for QB1 right now because they're the most talented quarterbacks in the class, arm talent and athleticism-wise. And they've been showing the necessary growth. I look at Sam Howell a little bit lower on the physical talents, on the physical talent spectrum. Still a talented guy, just not elite with his athleticism. Um, his arm's good. You know, he's competitive like Pickett. Uh, so he's going to be a little up there. Spencer Rattler has been an interesting one because I, I do think he's a decent athlete. He's got great arm talent, probably near the top of the class for sure. His ability to adjust his angles and have that elasticity but he hasn't really shown that much growth. You know, he's kind of regressed a little bit. You see his mechanics against pressure. He's been fading back a lot. He's been really missing a lot of guys high. Uh, so those lower body mechanics, that decision-making with Rattler could push him down. And you look at a guy like Pickett, who's been really sharp and putting that pit offense on his back. Uh, there's other guys like Carson Strong. Uh, there's other guys, too, that are kind of floating around in that back five area. But Desmond Ritter, too. But Ritter's been inconsistent, too. So... I like Pickett better than Ritter. I think that Pickett's rising up. And honestly, if he keeps this trend, there's not a lot stopping in the way of this quarterback class. There's not a lot stopping him from rising that high. Uh, if he can keep up this trend for sure. I can see it happening. And again, it all just can, it all comes down to starting October 16th when they go to Blacksburg. Mm. Can Kenny Pickett keep it up? And can Kenny Pickett will this pit team to a few more wins? I mean, you know, that's something that you kind of, you know, quarterbacks, you obviously watch their tape and you want to see how they play. But Kenny Pickett's a warrior. So mm. if he can will a team that lost in Western Michigan to eight, nine wins in a wide open ACC, I think that speaks to his leadership and intangibles off the field as well. And you talk about you talk about quarterbacks, too. That's another big thing it is not just the talent, which he definitely has, but also that that dynamic, especially if you're looking for a franchise quarterback someone that your players can rally around. And Kenny Pickett is that guy for me. I mean, I, I think back, because I'm a Detroit guy. We live, you know, we, we lived and breathed Matthew Stafford in the Lions the past 10 years. And there was that one comeback he had uh, quite a ways back where he was literally groaning in pain on the field, you know, and he was taking hits in the pocket and he was still getting up and playing. He's like, no, no, I can still play. To me, Kenny Pickett is a lot like that. You see him gut out really, really gutty performances while injured. And like now, thankfully, he's healthy. Uh, but you never want to see him get injured. But when he does, I mean, he, he you got to drag him off the field, right? I mean, he's always mm -hmm. raring to go. And I think that toughness is something that players can rally around at the next level. It's something, it's something that doesn't get talked about as much because quarterbacks need to qualify for themselves for the early rounds with their physical talent. Once you get past that phase, then the character and the mental traits start to kind of separate them a little bit. And if Peckett can get to that point, which I think he can with his athleticism and arm talent, I think he's one of the toughest guys, like you said, a guy that you can rally around, a really experienced leader, and he checks all the boxes there. So, I, you know, I have no concerns on that front. If he can get to that point, that's the, that's the question. We'll have to see more consistency. But he has that rally around mentality, that, that kind of aura that, that players can gravitate to in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that about Kenny Pickett. Just look at the Boston College game last year. High ankle sprain. He plays through mm -hmm. it, plays in overtime. Gets a touchdown himself in overtime. Obviously, they missed the extra point. Lose the game. That was gut-wrenching, man. God. But, you know, that's just typical pit fashion. But <laughs> but it was Kenny Pickett who kept them in that game and kept going. And then he comes back for the final three-game stretch, and they win all three games. So hmm. a lot of good stuff from Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, he's tough. And you can be tough, too, with the help of Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes good. And guess what? It's healthy, too. Want to see how healthy this is? 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So there's all these amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. And yeah, some of those flavors, coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, 
double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. Every single flavor is amazing. It truly is amazing. Built Bar is great. Make sure to check it out and go over to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. So again, that's the promo code LOCKED15 for 50% off at Built.com. Pick it for a minute because I think we really painted the picture of him well, how high he can go. I want to talk about a lot of Pitt's other prospects because they have a good deal yeah. of them. And and I think the other big one that Pitt fans are wondering, well, it's Kalaja Kansi on the defensive side of the football. You know, this is a guy they've had a few defensive linemen come out in recent years. Jalen Twyman, obviously, it was last year. Kansi's the successor. And He's had some very impressive flashes over the past two years as he's continued to play. Where where are you viewing Kansi right now? He's only a redshirt sophomore, but what do you see in Kalaja Kansi and what can he do in really an interior D-line class that is also kind of wide open? Yeah, Kansi's a really interesting guy, and he's a guy that I've kind of, you know, I, I haven't pushed him to the back burner. Obviously, you see the flashes and you want to see more, and even this past weekend against Western Michigan, he had that insane lateral move, that little hand swipe, you know, really quick, really violent, and then he's in the backfield just like that for a tackle for a loss. So that's kind of, that's kind of the deal with Kansi. That's kind of the foundation is that he's an explosive defensive lineman who's kind of that, you know, shorter, stockier guy. Uh, in the mold of Aaron Donald. You know, that's kind of what you're looking for sometimes. Now, I don't want to say he's Aaron Donald. A lot of people, that's going to be a lazy comp because he went to Pitt too, right? But no, that's just, that's a that's a mold of defensive lineman is the shorter guy that has that natural leverage with his short frame. A lot of people don't really talk about that uh, because, you know, you want the taller guys because there's a correlation with better length right there too. But shorter guys have better leverage. They can get low really easy. You know, they don't have to bend their waist and lower their pad level. It's just naturally there for them. They can get under offensive linemen and get that positive leverage. So I think Kansi has that, and then he's super explosive too. So he can leverage that burst into really good point of contact power, which I really like to see from him. Uh, I think the hand usage is still a work in progress for sure. He tries to win on his traits a lot, which, I mean, with his traits, I can see that, right? I mean, you can see that. He can he can kind of supersede those less athletic interior offensive linemen a lot, and we've seen that. He produces with that. But I think as a redshirt sophomore, I think he'll go back to school. Now, that's, that's just a gut feeling for me. Uh, it's not anything. If he continues to grow over the course of this year and produce as he has been, I think he can definitely go to the draft. And you look at this interior defensive line class, I look at it. After DeMarvin Leal, after Jordan Davis, you know, there's not a lot of top-end talent for sure. Uh, like Deslin Alexander was a guy that I was looking at potentially to be a sleeper there, even though he's an older guy. But they've moved him to the edge again this year, and he still has that weight on from when he transferred inside. So I don't really know how to feel about that. There, there's a big void behind the top guys. And I think Kalaja Kansi, if he keeps producing, which let's say that Pitt is in a lot of uh, positive game script situations where Pickett's kind of getting the lead back and the other team has to pass a lot. You're looking at a lot of opportunities for Kansi to come straight downhill as a pass rusher and get those sacks and get those high uh, profile plays and, and really kind of boost his stock. So he's a guy that's a, a riser potential for me. I, I'm not sure if he declares yet. That's the biggest thing. But you, you talk about guys who have the traits to be high end pass rushers at the NFL level. He's definitely that guy. I mean, he pops. He's different than the other guys beside him. And that's really exciting. Yeah, and the comp that uh, Pat Narduzzi has used is Grady Jarrett. I mean, similar frame. Again, that's another high-end comp type yeah. of guy that he'll have to work towards, but I love the potential for Kalaja Kansi. Mm-hmm. He's had a few Aaron Donald-esque plays where he uh, almost tackled. I think this week he almost tackled both Ellaby and the running back. And yeah. Like, you know, Donald did in the Duke game yeah. uh, in, I think, 2013. Um, so there, there are flashes here where you're going crazy, but then there's other times where he kind of just disappears and, and he did that a decent amount in that Tennessee game down the stretch a bit when mm-hmm. Hendon Hooker was starting to go off. They needed a big play, and you were wondering where Kansi was. Um, but but there's another guy on that D-line. You know, you talked about Deslin Alexander and kind of what they did with him. I think the emergence – I don't know if, you know, the emergence of Habakkuk Baldonado has yeah. kind of been something. He might be their best pass rusher off the edge, to be quite honest with you. This is a dude from Rome – He's got an interesting background, but he's he's got length, 
He's yeah. got enough power. He's an interesting prospect, too. Yeah, he's kind of fun in the sense, you know, he reminds me a little bit. Now, this isn't a comp or anything, and it, it's really not like even a flashy comp. It's just I remember watching Deslin from 2019 when he was on the edge, uh, you know, I think he was like 6'4", 270 back then. And, and Alexander kind of stood out to me because he had that explosiveness and length combination that can be really dangerous for offensive linemen. I see a little bit of that with Baldonado, too. You know, on the edge, he's, I think he's a little lighter. I think he's 6'5", 260. But Baldonado is a fun player because he's a high-motor guy. And his athletic traits, I don't think he's bare there. I think he has good athleticism. He shows good burst downhill. That length is really, really, really proficient for him. And using that to kind of generate separation from linemen. And we see he just, he kind of magnetizes to the ball is what I've noticed. He had one play where, you know, he got chipped on the outside a little bit. The quarterback's rolling out to the left. And he just charges straight to the quarterback, gets a forced fumble. So even in those unorthodox plays, he's still going 100%, that high-motor guy, and he's got that size, he's got that athleticism. I think he can be a fun player. Now, he is going to be a 23-year-old rookie. I think he's listed as a junior. It's a little misleading because he is going to be a 23-year-old rookie if he declares right now. Uh, so that's kind of an added element into his decision. Like, hey, I mean, but I mean, if he keeps producing like he has been through three games, I mean, I think, he, I think you can declare, honestly. I mean, it's a really, the only question is it's a really deep edge rushing class i mean you talk about the interior defensive line class it's the exact opposite on the edge i mean i i discover new guys basically every day i mean i was up until up until lately but it's like oh nolan smith oh jermaine johnson oh uh you know jordan jordan uh wright from kentucky oh jj weaver you know there's always new guys to discover that might declare and have the high upside to do it uh, Baldonado is just another guy. I think with his high motor, uh, that's kind of something that separates him because some of these edge rushers in this class, motors run hot and cold. You know, you want guys to come downhill every single snap. That doesn't always happen, but it definitely happens with Baldonado. He's a high character guy. You listen to him in interviews, very, very insightful uh, for sure. And, you know, on the field too, it just gives 100%. And he has those physical traits that you look for too. If he keeps producing, if he keeps showing that he knows how to use his length to be disruptive, then I definitely think he can declare. Uh, it's just a matter of if he does that. But when you're 23 years old, I mean, you don't want to kick the can so long because you know that the NFL, it's a physical, it's a gritty sport and and not every, no one lasts forever, you know? So you got to think about your own shelf life and it's kind of a business decision for him, but he's making it pretty easy right now. So we'll see. Uh, he's, he's an exciting player. I'm excited to see him keep producing, and especially alongside guys like Cansey and Alexander who have that experience and have that ability uh, it can be a lot easier for him to produce on his own. Yeah, and Baldonado is going to try and obviously take the same route that Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver took. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he can get into that range. Again, it's a deep edge class, even with the upside, if he comes yeah. out this year. As much as I love his traits, I'm not sure he's going to test quite as athletic as some of these other guys because there are a lot of athletic edges in this in this class. It's insane. Like Adam Anderson is in a day two range. I mean, I could name so many others, but we've been adding more and more to the mock draft simulator and it just goes to show. I mean, it's such a deep position right now. And Baldonado, great talent. I think the length is his most is his chief athletic trait, his chief physical trait. I think he has good athleticism on that. But, you know, the testing numbers are going to separate people come spring if he declares. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I totally agree on that. So we've talked, we've kind of beat around the bush on Deslin Alexander a little bit, but I want to talk about him specifically. This is kind yeah. of Deslin's year. This was his year stepping into the full-time role to replace Patrick Jones, to replace Rashad Weaver there. He was kind of thought of as that dude. What What's what's up with him and what's his projection? Obviously, he's a, been an end, he's been a DT. Do you think in the NFL he's... A five tech, is he a four three base end? Is he a three tech? Is he a guy that can move up? And kind of what's he doing right now with his frame? Because he's kind of out of position and in an awkward spot. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I was look I was really looking forward to watching him play this year. I, I only found out late that he was gonna be on the edge and not a DT where he was last year. And that kind of shocked me because he still has that weight that he put on to move inside last year. I mean, he was two seventy in, in twenty nineteen, moved up to two eighty five. And I, you know, I thought he retained a lot of his athleticism at 285. I was impressed. I mean, he showed that spryness off the line and that length with that explosiveness can be a really devastating combo if you know how to use it. I thought his hands were still a little uncoordinated even last year, you know, for, for a guy who's going to be a 24 year old rookie. I would have liked to see a little more polish, but, you know, I couldn't deny the upside was definitely there. And I was hoping to see him in that three tech role again this year. And instead, he's out on the edge. And he looks like, don't get me wrong, there are some plays where he definitely flashes. 
but you can tell he's out of position. He's a little clunkier at that size. I mean, I think he's still got a good first step quickness and that length can be really, really brutal for offensive linemen, especially you look at his frame. I mean, he's not a small guy. I mean, he's definitely thickly built and he has heavy hands too, but you know, I think it's just a better fit on the interior. I think he projects the best as a three technique. Now, I, I would have liked him at an edge if he stayed at 270. That's the thing. And if he could get back down to 270, but now that he's at 285 and he stayed at 285, I would much rather see him on the interior being that mismatch against offensive linemen. I think you can stunt him on the edge occasionally, which is nice. You like to have that flexibility, maybe against less athletic tackles or maybe athletic but lighter tackles. His power can be a mismatch there. You know, it could be a maybe a chess piece for sure. But I think his primary role should be on the interior at that size. Uh, he's an interesting one because you always see guys like I know James Smith Williams from NC State was another one who you know, really built up a lot of weight and still retained athleticism. There are guys who can do that a lot better than others. I think Alexander is that guy. I mean, he he's not, it didn't really sap away much of his first step quickness, uh, get, gaining that 15 pounds. So, you know, I, I really like the upside still. It's just a matter of where is he going to fit? And I feel like being out of position right now might be deflating his stock a little bit. Cause I was, I was thinking of him, even at 24 years old, I was thinking of him maybe being a day two pick if he could refine his hand usage and kind of, you know, glean more upside from his frame, but he's not been able to do that quite as efficiently on the edge so far this year. So that's going to be an interesting topic. I think whoever gets him is going to get a great player. He's a high character guy, again, a very valuable leader for that defense, versatile. I think a day three team, uh, if they get him, they're getting a steal and a guy who can can contribute, honestly. I mean, the, the question is all about fit, but I think NFL, hopefully NFL teams will know how to better use him. Uh, and I can understand the thought process of putting him on edge. You know, maybe you're not as deep on the other side with Baldonado. Uh, I know there was John Morgan who, who uh, you know, intrigued me a little bit when I watched last year. But it's clear that it's it's Baldonado and Alexander for now. And, and I can see why Morgan's a little smaller. But, you know, looking at it, I would rather have him where he fits better. This is me. Um, and I think it's deflating his stock right now. I, but I think he'll be a good player. I think he gets drafted. Uh, the fit is important where he goes, where he plays. But I really like the explosiveness and the length. Those are two things that have stood out to me no matter where he's at. And if you can figure out a way to use that most effectively, uh, you're going to benefit in the, wrong, in, the, in the long run for sure. Yeah, I think Deslin is a very interesting player. And I think, yeah, you're exactly right. They have a lot of young talent there at edge. Uh, Dayon Hayes, Nakai Johnson. These are guys that are you yeah. know, freshmen, sophomores that have great physical traits but they're starting just to kind of figure things out and they're in rotational roles. And so they really are relying on Alexander Baldonado and Morgan to kind of carry on the production. Mm. And I think that's why Deslin Alexander had to play edge. I mean, they have the interior depth even outside of Kansas. You know, they have Dem Danielson, Bentley green. I mean, th these are experienced guys. So yeah, Keyshawn camp too. Yeah, they got Keyshawn camp as well. And, and camp camp's kind of an interesting one. Because when he's on the field, he destroys things, but yeah, got to be on the field, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he he hasn't played a ton over the past two years, had a bad knee injury last year, started off this year a little bit on shaky ground. He's back a little bit now, but I mean, how as an NFL team, for a guy that really hasn't put out a ton of tape in two years, and we hope he does as, he, as it continues to go on and obviously into ACC play, he can get that tape out. I don't know how you evaluate Keyshawn Camp because it's essentially two years since he's put out quality tape. Yeah, exactly. And NFL teams look at that for sure. I mean, you look at especially the injury. I mean, that kind of deflates it. Now, I, we have seen flashes this year where he's kind of back to 100 percent. I know there was a really nice play against Western Michigan. Uh, but again, I mean, you got to earn those snaps for sure. And the fact that he hasn't, I get it's a deep rotation on the interior for sure. I get that. Pitt's always good at accruing talent on the defensive line. But when you're an, an experienced player, I expect you to lock down that position for good, especially when Alexander's at edge, because I thought Alexander was going to be your chief competitor on the interior. And now he's at edge and there should be a lane open there for you alongside Kansi to kind of make your own plays. And that could be a dynamic duo. But for some reason, it isn't coming into focus. I think he has some upside if he can get that. But the problem is it hasn't gotten. It. And there, there's always those cosmetic elements, too. You know, like guys are talented for sure. But talent isn't the only thing that comes into the equation. You got to earn a long-term role, uh, and you got to earn your opportunities. And at the same time, if there's that injury hanging over you, you know, even if that's not contributing to you not earning those reps, scouts are going to ask that question, like, "Hey, why is he not 
full time on the field? Is there something lingering with that knee injury that we need to know about? Something that might impact your shelf life in the NFL? You know, they they take those long term cosmetic elements into account, and, and in college, that's going to be something that might impact his stock. So I hope we see more of him down the line. And I know that Pitt has a really deep rotation, so guys get their moments. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of a, a lot of football left, but right now it is a little concerning for him, for sure, and it might push him down the board. I think he'll get an opportunity in camp if he doesn't get drafted, but you know it, it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, he's firmly in the camp opportunity category right now, but obviously hope that he gets on the field. You know, Pitt behind that D line does have a few guys as well, mm-hmm. namely in in their secondary. Uh, Damari Mathis, he's back from an injury last year. He's their corner one so far this season. Pitt's secondary has been a wreck, but guess who hasn't been? It's been Damari Mathis, who has not been a wreck. He reminds me a little bit of what Dane Jackson had two years ago. Very solid on that left side. Different player from what Pinnock was. But Damari Mathis, I think he's a solid corner prospect, at the very least a very good special teamer with lots of experience in that area as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at him, I, I think he checks a lot of the boxes for sure. You know, I think he, he passes that athletic threshold that you're looking for. And you see that playmaking ability in his past. I mean, I think it was 2019 that he had two interceptions and 11 pass deflections. So the ball skills are there. The ability to position himself to make those plays is definitely there. I like the athleticism. I think he's fluid. 5'11", 195, so decent size. You know, not quite the lengthy, explosive guy that Pinnock was, but, you know, still that guy who passes that threshold. You look for those thresholds. Do they pass those? And I think he certainly does, you know. And I think that, you know, playing behind Pittsburgh, I know there hasn't been a ton of production ball production right now in the season, but maybe that's partly because guys just aren't throwing his way, you know, because he's kind of doing his job. So I think that especially playing behind that defensive line that can generate pressure, you know, I always like to say defensive line and secondary kind of have a symbiotic relationship. You know, you need to generate pressure, make the quarterback uncomfortable. So he rushes throws maybe. And when the coverage is still good, that puts guys in a position to make plays on the ball. And I really think that with that pass rushing unit, as they continue to grow over the course of the season, could generate some more opportunities for Mathis to make those plays that really grab people's attention. But, you know, as it stands, I think he's part of a really deep cornerback class. And that's another thing that plays into it. I mean, you always got to look at the depth of each position. Corner is another that's insanely deep. I mean, it's insane. Even the top tier talent, right? Like I was trying to stack guys into my top 50 and like, there's so many guys at the top that are really good. So many guys in the middle tier that are really good. And I think Mathis is one of those guys in the middle tier where, you know, he's just a solid player what does he have that puts him over other guys, though? That's the thing. So, you know, make more of those plays down the field. I feel like that's going to be a big thing for him this season. Now, obviously, that's not under his control. If he's locking down his guy, you know, and scouts are going to see that. You know, they don't just look at the stats. They're going to see if you're locking down your guy and preventing the quarterback from even testing you. Uh, but it is going to be something to look at for sure. He's proven he has the ball skills back in 2019, so I don't think it's an issue. He's proven he can come back from that season-ending shoulder injury. So I don't think that's an issue either. You know, it would be a red flag if it was kind of impacting him right now. But I think that he's kind of rebounded from that. So I think he's a solid middle round, late round guy right now. And he can continue to elevate his stock if he keeps making those plays and just does his job. Because corner is an interesting one. You talk about, you know, do you want to see guys making plays or do you want to not hear their name because they're just locking down their side? I feel like with corner, it's a little bit of both. You know, like if the guy's making a ton of plays, but he's getting thrown at literally every play maybe there's a problem there, right? So it's kind of a balance. And if he's not getting thrown at, then that shows he's mir- he's mirroring his guy. He's being physical. You know, he's doing his job. And I think that Mathis checks a lot of those boxes. And I'm excited to see him keep playing behind that defensive line because while I do think his upside, where, he, where his ceiling is, is a bit limited because of the top-end talent in this class, you know, I don't deny that if he, if he kind of picks things up down the, down the road this year, he could potentially be a late-day two pick with that ball production. We'll have to see, but um, I like him for sure. He's a good player and a guy who could be, you know, you look at D'Amador Lenoir for the 49ers so far this year. He's really showing out. He could be a guy that gets drafted a little later than his production would insinuate, but then ends up to go ends up going on to have a good career. We'll see, but I, I like him for sure. He's a good player. Yeah, and he is the main piece of that secondary that needs help bad. Hmm. Um, kind of a, with Mathis, Pinnock, and Jackson, and Fonte Maddox, Ryan Lewis, the Narduzzi corners are kind of interesting because of the scheme they play, the press quarter scheme, just a different transition. So I do kind of wonder how that affects that'll affect his stock in this class when they only play, they really only play press quarters. So 
I do kind of wonder how that affects a guy like that in this deep of a class. We'll continue talking about these prospects more, but before we do that, make sure to check out Bet Online AG. They're back and better than ever with the teams back on the gridiron and they're ready to start another football season. They are your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. And with an updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag is your number one source for everything football so head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100 percent welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use the promo code nfl100 again that's nfl100 from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online your online sportsbook experts talk about Pitt has a few linebackers now Cam Brighton Phil Campbell are, are nice players they don't strike me as top prospects can't try out guys maybe special teams guys but a guy that could have more upside potentially to rise up the board he might not even declare this year Servasia Denise has yeah. a lot of potential I think so he played the money backer last year now he's playing both money and Mike so he's now playing as a Mike backer I mean, with Denise, and he's he's playing all these positions, he also knows the star, which is essentially just the will, um, if you're mm-hmm. talking in usual 4-3 terms, um, and then Arduzzi defense. I mean, what? first of all, what do you think he is? Is he a Mike? Is he a Will? Is he a Sam at the next level? And more importantly, is Denise, his stock, where's his, where's his stock at right now? Is he going to declare maybe? Yeah, he's an interesting player. I actually just kind of did his report recently. So I was kind of looking at his plays and I got to watch a few more games. I watched like two or three games for sure to get a decent idea of him. I want to go back and watch more because he was an interesting player. You know, the games that I saw, I didn't really see a ton of. I know Narduzzi loves to blitz his linebackers and he was coming downhill a ton. And in that situation, in that environment, you can definitely see the explosiveness that he has. You know, he triggers really quickly. He covers ground very quickly. He can gear up with a ton of speed. And, you know, once he's at his top speed, he covers, you know, he is quick. You know, he's right there in your face. The quarterbacks, he can be a very dangerous threat, especially if defensive linemen are occupying their blockers and their clear lanes for him. He can blitz and reach the quarterback in a very short amount of time. So that explosiveness really pops for him. He's 6'1", 230. I think he has good proportional length as well. You know, the, the, the question with me is the uh, production and coverage is not quite there. And on, the, on a lot of passing downs, we see him come downhill as a blitzer. And I have seen flashes in coverage for sure. He definitely has the fluidity and the burst to cover that ground in that second level, then that shorter range and cover those routes. And I've also seen flashes of, you know, having the awareness to kind of peel off of routes when it's a draw play and go back to the box. And, you know, on the flip side too, you know, I, I do think he bites on play action a lot. That's a, that's the thing that kind of stood out to me on tape. He really likes to come downhill, and then when it's not a when it's not a running play, he kind of gets stuck in that congested area, and the middle can get freed up. So I didn't really like to see that. But he he plays fast. He plays aggressive. So once you can kind of refine your keys and refine your recognition ability, I really like the upside that's there. To me personally, I don't think he's quite ready to declare just because I'm not super sold on the coverage ability yet. But at the same time, I think he's a little too small to play the Sam at the NFL level. You know, I'd want my Sam to be a little bit more dense. I think his lower body is a little bit light. You know, his upper body is a little bit more dense. But you need that lower body if you're going to square up against tackles and tight ends against the run and kind of seal that edge, you know, opposite the uh, the other edge rusher. So, you know, I, I don't love his fit there. I think his best fit with his athletic traits would be a Will or a Mike if he can continue to refine his keys. Uh, but I do want to see more growth from him there. So I think he's a true junior. Uh, I think he 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 can. He, it's worth it for him to stay another year. I, I don't think he'd be too old. I don't think he'd be kind of you know knocking some wear off his tires in the NFL. You know, I I do think that he can he can afford to wait another year and keep growing because I do love the physical upside. It definitely popped on tape, just not quite a complete three down player yet for me. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. Denise kind of working as that Mike guy this year. To mixed results. Uh, I don't think he's got, I think the one thing with me with Denise is, and you talked about kind of his size and his fit at the Sam, when we look similarly at the Mike, he does have a little bit of trouble getting off those blocks at the second yeah. level. And that's kind of yeah. what's gotten him a little bit when he's worked to Mike. 
And so there's been a lot of talk about him maybe moving back to money um, with Pitt. But it, it's it's a very interesting thing to look at, Denise, because he has true upside to be even better than he is right now. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot of high upside. So they might just stick him out at Mike and see what he can do at that defense. Um, I want to get off the defense because we've talked about this defense for uh, 20 minutes now or so. <laughs> it has some offensive guys, too which is new to me because I love that they have some offensive guys outside of Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And I think that got, that starts with and does not end with Lucas Kroll at tight end. Pitt finally has a tight end. It's, it's amazing. I mean, literally, they have not had a tight end in six, seven years since Scott Orndorff came out mm-hmm. uh, and left. So Kroll comes from Florida. He's behind Kyle Pitts. So there's a lot of layers to that discussion. I guess, first of all, what are your thoughts on Kroll as a prospect with his age, injury history, and kind of all of that? And where where can you see Kroll going in the draft right now among this tight end class? Yeah, so he's a fun player. Uh, I know he was on Feldman's Freaks list earlier this year. Uh, so I think he's clocked at a four, uh, a low to mid four six for his size, which is really impressive because he's a big guy. You know, he's not a smaller tight end. He's got that length that you want, that frame density that you want, you know. And, and so far this year, he's been healthy. For me, injury histories, you know, if it if it shows a tangible drain on the court, on the player's play, like if he's not as fast, if he's if he's kind of if it's lingering, if he's out one week in the next, that's something that concerns me. But so far this year, his availability has not been a concern. He's been he's been available and he's been Kenny Pickett's favorite weapon, basically. So, you know, Jordan Addison's been getting his targets too, Taysier Mack. But, you know, Crow has been up there. He's been getting his opportunities and he's been making the most of them. I really love his ability to use his size as a pass catcher. That sounds simple, but, you know, you talk about what it is, you know, it's kind of shielding off defenders when you're in those contested situations. It's using your length and body control to kind of contort for those passes in midair. Having that coordination is something that's really valuable. Uh, And when the ball is low, too, can you go low? Can you keep that focus and have the strong hands to bring it in and keep it from hitting the ground? I think he shows that body control and that coordination for his size, and he's, he's tough in those contested situations, too. Some guys get rattled, you know, when guys are coming at them. Because you know, as a tight end down the middle of the field, you're going to get contact. Players need to come at you fast because you're bigger. You know, they need to jar you. And Krull in those situations so far, I think he's passed the test. You know, and he has that athleticism, that size. The the question, again, I mean, it always goes back to the class, the context and the draft class. Uh, The tight end class is pretty deep right now. Not a lot of top end talent for sure. I don't think we have any first round graded tight ends where we're at, but it's a deep class for sure. There's like a, a, over a dozen guys who could be middle round to late round picks. Uh, Crow is kind of in that range for me. I really like what I've seen so far. I want to see more consistent production over the course of the year. If he can carry on what he's done in the first three weeks and, and keep showing that he has this toughness and, and you know that athleticism size combination to be a complete threat at the position, uh, I really like his upside for sure. Uh, and if he can show that he's a good blocker too, that's an added bonus. Teams look for that because that shows that you're going to stay on the field in those passing situations. Now, ideally, usually tight ends are going to be pass catchers in those situations. But, you know, just having that versatility is always a good thing. You know, NFL teams always look for that. So as far as the physical traits from a pass catching perspective go, I really like what I've seen from Crow. You know, again, I don't think he's like the shifty guy that Kyle Pitts is. You know, Kyle Pitts was a was a freak. He was a unicorn. Right. But I do think as a scene buster and a red zone threat, I really like Kroll's size and athleticism. He can get out in space quickly and extend that space. And then when he's near the red zone, he can rise up. He can fight through contact. And he can bring in some really high-value passes. So I really like his traits there. And I think that he, he'll he bring some value for sure at the next level. If he keeps producing, if he stays healthy, I can see him being probably a early to mid-day three guy. You know, Maybe if teams really like him, if he tests really well, rise up a little bit more if he keeps producing. Uh, but for me, probably that middle to late range. And I think he can end up being a, a solid contributor at the NFL level. I guess the question then becomes, you know, transferring out of Florida. Obviously, he ran into the bus off Kyle Pitts. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of unfortunate for him. He didn't get much playing time. But how much are scouts going to hold it against him that, hey, he didn't stay at Florida or compete afterwards or, you know, he didn't get playing time he didn't force you know because Kyle Pitts was great and all yeah. but Crow didn't force them to go two tight ends either so how are they going to weigh that versus his production now at Pitt and how do you think that affects his stock 
Yeah, and not just that too. I mean, last year when we did see another tight end, a lot of times it was Zipperer, you know. So, so you know, Crawl was in that rotation, and he still didn't get a lot of reps. You know, personally, I wouldn't hold that against him too much. I know situation, even off the field, is definitely a, a big determinant for sure. And, you know, maybe I'm not saying it was a bad situation for Crawl, but maybe he just wasn't comfortable in that offense. You know, maybe he wanted a place where it resonated a little better with his skill set. And I do think the pit is kind of that offense for him. And, you know, also go to a place where you have those opportunities. You know, you know that a team's going to give you opportunities. If you're talented like Crawl, you're able to get to Florida. You're on the Feldman's Freaks list, for crying out loud. You're going to get those opportunities for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of going where you're needed and where you're valued. And it's not, a, it's not a, a slight to Florida or anything. I mean, Kyle Pitts and Zipperer both flashed. I think Zipperer is getting some increased action this year. And then Pitts was just out of this league. You know, he's going to draw a lot of targets and probably get like 75% to 80% of all the targets the tight ends get. If you have a talent like Pitts, then you got to force feeding the ball, right? And that's what they did. So I don't think it's a slight to crawl that he left that situation. You know, I think if you got to go somewhere where you're going to get those opportunities, maximize, invest in yourself. And I think that's ultimately what crawl did. I don't put it against him, especially if, as we see right now, it's really paying dividends for him because he's already got four touchdowns in three games. He's got over 150 yards, I think. So early on, it's really became it's it's looking like a smart move for him. And if that's the case, then I I don't I don't put you at fault for self scouting and knowing that you maybe deserve more opportunities and getting those somewhere else. You know, guys transfer all the time. It's something to happen. I'd rather you be decisive and proactive in getting that opportunity than maybe staying complacent and staying where you're at. And that might deflate your stock because you don't invest in yourself and kind of seek out those increased opportunities. So for me, it's not an issue. Uh, I really, in fact, I like to see that from players as long as they can deliver on that, as long as they can say, I know I'm I'm better than what I'm getting here. So I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to prove it. So far, Kroll has proven it. So no complaints from me. All right. Lucas Kroll, potentially be two Pitt players drafted. You know, Pitt has his wideout talent, too. Now, there's a lot of young guys in there. Jalen Barden. There's Jared Wayne. I don't know if you've taken notice of Jared Wayne yet, but I've you will. Yeah, he's he's. You probably saw him hulk a few dudes last week against yeah. Western Michigan. Yeah. Um, he's growing into a role, but too early to talk about him. He's still only a junior, but we mm-hmm. might have to visit that discussion uh, in a little bit. But two other receivers, one of them is not even draft eligible. The other is draft eligible and has been at Pitt since 2017, 2018 at this point. Let's yeah. talk about Taysom Mac first. Uh, I mean, so his age is going to be a factor, but there is intriguing stuff here. He's kind of one of those jump ball guys that has a lot of special teams experience that does a lot of things on the outside, but he's one of their favorite jump ball guys down the sideline. In a wide receiver class, that might not be as flashy as the other ones we've had in the past two, three years. Where does Taser Mack kind of fill out in this thing? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I'm actually I'm going to look up his age right now because I know he's been around a while. and I know Pittsburgh lists their ages usually. So I kind of want to see what his age is because I know that NFL teams can be kind of sticklers about that. You know, older receivers usually don't get a lot of run. Yeah, he was born in 98. So he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. Uh, so to me, that's something. Here's the thing. 24-year-old rookie, 6'2", 190, so not great frame density. And I do like the vertical athleticism. You talk about his ability on the sideline in those contested situations. He can definitely get up and get those 50-50 balls. But at the same time, can he separate? That's a big thing for a lot of NFL receivers. And if you're older, especially if you're going to be 24 years old, having that ability to separate is something that maybe gets you a shot in the later rounds. To me, I haven't seen that consistent separation ability from him yet, and that's something that's kind of going to dilute his stock a little bit. So I, it's pretty simple for those guys. I mean, you look at 24 years old, uh, so hasn't really broken out in his college career. He's always kind of been that ancillary threat, which there's always a place for those guys. But when you're talking about draft capital and what you want to spend that draft capital on, I think it's more likely that you know maybe he's a late-round guy because of his special teams ability, how it projects there. But ultimately, and maybe if he tests really well, because I, I do expect him to test pretty well with that vertical. Uh, I do think that he'll be pretty good there. But uh, aside from that, uh, you, you look at the age and then the lack of separation ability. I think that alone can be a death knell for his draft stock. Yeah, and talented guys go undrafted all the time. That's what happens. It's not about that. It's about carving out a role after that, because the journey doesn't stop if you're not drafted. You're going to get an invite to camp. You're going to get a chance to show off your skills and 
especially in those one-on-one situations in camp where they're kind of weighted toward the receiver. I think that he might be able to moss a few corners and maybe earn a practice squad spot or a, maybe even a 53-man roster spot. We'll see. But you know, from a draft perspective, having that age and, and not really a breakout age on there and then that, that jump ball ability for sure, but not being able to separate consistently because that's a big thing in the NFL is being able to do that, especially against NFL defensive backs who are faster, longer, more physical. You need to have that ability. And Taysier Mack, to me, doesn't quite meet that threshold yet. So I don't expect him to be drafted. Maybe he is. Uh, maybe he is if he has a good closing stretch of the season. But for right now, I'd say the stronger draft prospect, even though he's not draft eligible, but when he is eligible, is definitely Jordan Addison. Yeah, let's talk about Jordan Addison. I mean, so he was a slot guy exclusively his first year, really. Played a little bit outside, but now he's gotten outside. And now he's actually doing something that he didn't do a lot of last year, partially because Kenny Pickett's slinging the ball down the football field. But now we're seeing yeah. vertical threat ability from Jordan Addison. We're kind of seeing this three-level threat type of guy. Jordan Addison, I have a very specific comparison to Jordan Addison that I kind of see every time I, he plays on the field. I'll share that later, but... Your, what's your impressions of Jordan Addison? And for early, very early 2023 stuff, where does Jordan Addison rank among the wide receivers in that class? You're kind of piquing my curiosity with that with that comparison stuff. I want to, I want to hear it for sure, but we'll, I guess we'll get it later. I mean, he's a fun player, and I definitely liked how, for me personally, like I know there's always that ongoing war between analytics and film on Twitter. All right, I mean, it's ongoing. It can get a little nasty sometimes, but for me... I try to meet in the middle. Now, I always watch the film because the film gives you a ton of very valuable context, right? But at the same time, there are some trends, especially with the receivers, that are really valuable and tend to kind of, you know, have weight when the draft season comes around. And one of those for me is breakout age. Do you have the talent to break out early in your career before you've refined your skill set? Do you have that natural talent to supersede your opponents? And, and Jordan Addison came out last year, man, and just kind of hit the ground running. I mean, I think he had like 66 catches, 695 yards. So he was productive right away. And I love to see that from receivers. That is one of my favorite things to see. Looking at his skill set, he's a little light. I think he's six foot 175. So, but you know, I, to me, that's not a deal breaker. You always have lighter receivers. And if they can play, they can play. Like I, another conversation, but I'm a big fan of Memphis, Calvin Austin. You know, he's a little lighter too, but you know, if you can play, you can play. I don't really knock you, especially if you can prove that you can make it a non-issue with your play style. And I think Addison is that guy. I think you talk about Mac not being able to separate consistently. I think Addison can. I think he's got loose hips. I think he's got good lateral agility, good change of direction skills. We saw that a lot last year working out of the slot. You know, they used him for a lot of run after catch concepts, and he was good. He was good. You know, some easy completions for Kenny Pickett. Get the ball to Addison, and he could extend plays. You know, not a ton of contact balance with that frame, but elusive finesse. I mean, a lot of it is there. And now on the boundary this year, we've seen him use those oily hips down the field to separate with some double moves. I really like the route running potential with him with that, you know, change of direction ability and lateral agility. And then on top of that, too, he's shown body control and and hand strength at the catch point. So I really like to see that because some smaller guys can get jarred pretty easily in contact situations. But so far this year, Addison has been tough. And he's shown that he can haul in passes amidst contact, you know, when his body is off balance, when he's kind of, you know, making those gravity defined catches, he can do that too. Uh, And I'm not, I'm not talking about anything flashy, but you know, when you're working off balance, when you're kind of contorting for the ball in midair, you do need some coordination, to haul those in, you know, and not, not every flashy catch is going to be like that, but it's definitely a big element downfield. And he's shown that to me too, in limited sample size, we got to see more. And I think we will see more with picket dialing it back downfield. Uh, but I really like Addison. Like you said, I think last year he showed a lot of ability in the you know short and intermediate ranges. And so far this year, we're starting to see a more complete package for him. So as far as where he goes in the NFL draft next year, because I know it's going to be another talented wide receiver class, but I like him a lot. And for me, being a three-level threat is very important. Um, I, he's not that size guy. You know, He's never going to be that size guy, but he can separate. He can make a lot of plays. He can fulfill a multitude of roles at multiple levels. I think right now I probably have him at day two uh, for sure. Uh, but I do think like I think round two, round three is where he can go for his maximum projection. Not sure if he quite has that dynamic round one ability. We'll see, especially with Pickett leaving. There's going to be questions of quarterback who can get him the ball. But I think if he's separating still, if he's providing that steady constant, 
there might be a lot of targets funneled his way. So that might help him even more, you know, kind of when, when wide receivers separate, they gain that chemistry with their quarterbacks quicker and they get those opportunities even more in mass. So I, I like him either way. I think he's a day two guy. If you're looking really early ahead, for sure, having that constant production and that threat at each level of the field, I really like him a lot for that. Whether he can rise to round one is a question for another day. But I think right now his stock is pretty solid. He's going to be he's he's going to be safely drafted at this point as long as he keeps trending up, and he can be a good player at the NFL. I agree with that, and I think his route running has really improved this year as well. That's another big thing that I think has allowed him to open up that vertical ability. Yeah, on with himself. How fast do you think he is? What do you think he runs? Is he sub four or five? <sighs> Maybe, maybe that was that was the question for me because when you're a downfield guy, you either separate with speed or, like you said, with route running. I, I'm not sure. I, it's been tough for me to gauge his speed, and I haven't seen a ton of those reps where he's using his speed downfield. Maybe sub four or five. If I had to guess right now, probably around four or five. Though I think that's where I would go. Yeah, I, I, I would think that. I'll tell you who he reminds me of. I've watched a lot of tape of this guy over the yeah. past few years. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Greg Jennings. Oh, shoot. I kind of like that. I I immediately, when I watch him every time and I see him run his routes, the way he works after the catch, the explosive ability he has now, Mm -hmm. he plays a lot like Greg Jennings did. And he has that inside-out ability. If you know how Greg Jennings played, he had that very deceptive style where he was he ran 4-4-2. Granted, yeah. at the combine, he never really played like a four-four-two guy. No. He always played like a four-five guy, but it was always through that route running. He always had the great body control. He always had this all-around solid game. He reminds me a lot of Greg Jennings. That's who I I immediately see when I watch a Jordan Addison. I see that for sure. I see that. I mean, you talk about you know again that explosive ability. I mean, for me, top end speed for wide receivers like there's a there's a there's a level. Like if you run a four or five but have like a thirty eight inch vertical and a, and a one twenty five inch broad jump, I'm not really gonna worry about the four or five. And a four or five is good, but even if you're a little bit slower, like I would rather you have that explosive ability to create that separation. And maybe Greg Jennings like has ten yards of separation downfield, and guys look at that and they're like, oh, he's super fast. And like, he did run a four four too, but you know at the same time that wasn't really his game. His game was using that explosiveness to generate that separation. And I think Addison is definitely that guy. And then on top of that explosiveness, I think he's elusive too. You know, I think he's agile. Having all those traits in one palette is really exciting. And I can definitely see it for sure. He's a little underweight again, but, you know, you look at that, as long as you can separate, man, that's valuable. And that's increasingly more valuable in the modern NFL. So having that ability is big. And I think that's going to be big for him too. And testing numbers wise too, if he confirms that with testing numbers, that could be something that pushes him into that early, you know, round two and maybe even round one range if he can keep producing next year. I mean, I, I can't I can't rule that out because he's a talented player. Jordan Addison is a fun, fun player. All right. Last prospect I got to ask you about is Cal out of my long snapper one. <laughs> it might be. It might be. I, hey, hey, I can't I can't I can't bad mouth long snappers because we had two drafted this past year. We had two drafted this past year. So, no, I mean. I'll be honest with you. I haven't caught up on my long snapper scouting. I haven't I haven't done that. But hey, yeah. all I know is that he got a senior bowl invite, came back to school. I know Jim Nagy's on there uh, about long snappers. Dude, no, it's the, got the a sen- long snapper. The senior bowl invite is big though, because Thomas Fletcher and Cameron Cheeseman, those are the two guys at the senior bowl. They're the ones that got drafted last year. So yeah. if your team needs a long snapper, uh, where are they gonna get the most exposure to those guys? The senior bowl in Mobile. And though, and that's kind of a, a good place for a long snapper to get integrated, kind of in a different special teams environment. Can you show off that you can kind of pick up the slack right away? And that's going to be big. That's going to be big. Now, again, I can't speak. I can't do a trace breakdown for a long snapper. But I, 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 I can say that the senior bowl is a very, very important checkpoint if you're a long snapper trying to find a role in the NFL. You know, even if not, I mean, there's so many long snappers who are kind of elder statesmen in the league. I, I know we had a few turnover this past year, but... You know, teams are always looking for new guys there to kind of pick up the torch, and you never know. I mean, there's always opportunities there. You never know. Cal Adamite is long snapper one, maybe. Long snapper. <laughs> I'll bring up, next time I'm on, I'll bring up my long snapper rankings, and we'll, we'll break that down. We'll break that down. We, we will lead with that. We will lead with the <laughs> long snapper rankings, and then Kenny Pickett, and then everyone else can wait 
until yeah. we get through the long snapper rankings. Yes, Either sir. way, Ian, it was great having you on. Make sure to plug your stuff. Where can people find you at and where can they find your work? Yes, you can find me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. Also at PFN365. Great group of guys over there uh, churning out draft content all season. And, uh, you know, really excited to see this pit team progress, man. Because like I said, like we talked about, a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Kenny Pickett, one of my personal favorite players, a guy that really stood out to me early in the process last year, kind of been following him around. And, you know, if he can reach his maximum potential, stay healthy, stay on track. The sky's the limit for him, man. Very excited to see where this thing goes. I'm with you even after the loss of Western Michigan. I'm excited to watch this team. And, folks, before we get out of here, make sure to check out the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and betting expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Make sure to follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and as always, folks, hail to Pitt.